You are about to listen to the first podcast that I've done where I just talk to myself. I don't have a guest today, and this is to share my story and also to highlight what you can do to optimize your brain health on your own and what you can do if you need a little hand-holding. So little side note, I thought I was sharing my screen, but I was not. So if you want to look at what I was looking at, go to Apollo Health Co. Co. ApolloHealthCo.com to check out what I was looking at when I thought I was sharing my screen, but I wasn't. So hope you enjoy the podcast today. Get to the Root of It is a podcast for the curious health seekers hoping to figure out the root causes of symptoms in order to live a happier and healthier life. We look through the lens of functional and integrative medicine, occupational therapy, yoga, health coaching, and environmental wellness in hopes of sharing valuable ideas that may help someone in some way. We will take deep dives into root causes of autoimmunity and all types of dementia and cognitive decline in order to increase our understanding so that we can reduce our risk and optimize health for ourselves and our loved ones. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical care. We recommend speaking to your own practitioner with any medical questions or health concerns. Welcome to Get to the Root of It. I am Laurel Brennan, your host and only guest for today. So I have not yet done a podcast where it's just me talking to myself. So hopefully you're out there and can talk back because I hate talking um, all alone. Typically, I put a significant amount, at least a little bit of preparation into a podcast recording with a guest. And I have done almost no preparation for today. So bear with me if I go off the rails. But I wanted to just jump on. Number one, because it's September and it's World Alzheimer's Month. And September 21st is World Alzheimer's Day. And I thought we have to have a podcast this week. And I'm still editing my most recent guest. And I thought it might be easier if I just jump on and chat. So I was asked recently in an interview something to to share something that even my friends and family don't know. And I thought about it for a little bit. I thought, wow, I really tell most things most of the time. Much to my daughter's chagrin, she would often say I'm an oversharer. But I started thinking, well, I started talking to myself because I overheard my two boys, 12 and 24 years old, on separate occasions talking to themselves. And when I called them out on it, they were completely unfazed. Like they weren't embarrassed in any way. They said, yeah, let's just, it's normal. I'm having a conversation with whatever I'm listening to or, so I don't know, maybe I thought it was weird, but now I think it's great and I do it regularly. So it helps me process better and think better. And sometimes I'm reading aloud to myself. So, so I'm going to talk to myself today and um, hopefully Somebody will be listening out there and can be part of the conversation in some way. So I'm going to start with my story, why I'm doing this podcast, why I do what I do anyway. And then I want to share some information that you can take away and go investigate on your own. So this will be recorded as a podcast but also as a video. So I'm going to share my screen later. And this is Get to the Root of It podcast, but it's also on YouTube at Root Causology with Laurel. So you can see the the video portion of it if you want to go to YouTube. Okay, so here goes my story. Sometimes I go all over the place with a story, so I'm going to try to go in somewhat chronological order. Keep me on track. So um, when I work with a client from a functional medicine perspective, we look at the whole person, we do a timeline, we go from 
beginning to now, beginning meaning going all the way back to mother's health when she was pregnant with you, right? And look at mediators and triggering events that might have brought you to where you are today so that if there are interruptions in health or dis-ease, you know, how can we step in and influence and correct or shift direction or work toward a more healthy, stable focus. So anyway, um, I'm going to start with my childhood because I think it plays a significant role in my health today. I just want to give you a picture of how a, a functional medicine session kind of goes. So I was, um, you know, normal childbirth, breastfed, even when it wasn't popular to breastfeed. Thanks, mom. And didn't really have allergies as a kid, but I had a very high sugar diet from as far back as I can remember. So a meal was not done until we had dessert. Um, I usually had a sugar-filled breakfast. It might have been a cereal with a teaspoon of sugar on it. It might have been... um, chocolate shake that I drank as I was running out the door, always had sugar, um, with (laughs) probably with the main portion of my meal, but then also as a, a dessert at the end of every meal. So, and to top it all off, I had four double stuff Oreos right before bed for more than a decade, I'm sure. So lots of sugar in my diet growing up. We had lots of vegetables too. We had a garden, but lots of sugar, which I think is a key point. And I got sick a lot as a kid. Lots of cases of tonsillitis and um, strep throat. So I was on antibiotics a lot. So if if you don't already know that being on antibiotics um, can negatively influence the gut microbiome, well, you're hearing it now. So I did antibiotics many times throughout elementary and middle school. And then in eighth grade, I got mono. And I think that was a major triggering event for me. Um, If I think back to my energy level after that, it probably was never quite the same. Though I lived on adrenaline. So I pushed, 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 pushed. I was doing know, 101 activities. I was always late for everything. I think because I needed like the pressure um, to kind of spike my cortisol and push my adrenaline to have the energy to get anything done. So that continued um, through through college and graduate school. And sometime in late high school, I became a vegetarian because I bit into a chicken McNugget and got a grisly bit and it just grossed me out. And that was the end. I did not want to eat meat. So I went many years without eating meat, um, but without really knowing what I was doing either. So I had lots of carbs and um, probably not lots of vegetables. And I continued that, that pattern of having sugar after every meal. And continued that pattern of, you know, burning the candle at both ends. So fast forward, um, you know, a decade or more, about age 32, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And that was after living in Scotland for two years, which I believe um, probably was the straw that broke the camel's back for my low vitamin D. So as I mentioned, I was a vegetarian. I was not, I didn't really know what I was doing. I did not supplement. And I was breastfeeding two kids. So, um, and for an extended period of time, also without supplementation. So while I am a huge supporter of breastfeeding, I now uh, like to make sure any breastfeeding clients that I have um, also are really focused on their own nutrition because from a biological evolutionary standpoint, the body will give the baby what is important for the baby to have and take from the mother. So the mother really has to focus on her health and have a healthy diet and supplement if necessary. So there you go. That's kind of my, um, 
timeline, which I think, as I highlighted some events that I think played a role in my getting multiple sclerosis, you get a, a sense of what a, a functional medicine session might look like. It's kind of digging deep into um, potentially, you know, these triggering events. So then um, when I was 32 and had an, an MS diagnosis and I had two young kids at the time, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with my neighbor at the bus stop who had a very successful um, outcomes with her two children who were on the autistic spectrum from the, the support that she received from a nutritionist who was working from the functional medicine perspective, which at that time I really didn't label it as such and she didn't um, advertise it as such, but that's definitely what it was. It was root cause medicine. So she helped me look at my diet and we noticed that it was a lot of carbs and sugar and not enough nutrition, not enough protein. So I gradually added meat back into my diet, took away gluten and dairy, and my MS symptoms subsided. And um, I would have to say now for the past 18 years, I could not really say that I've had a relapse. I've had some some symptoms that seem to come and go that are very mild, tingling and numbness, mostly in my lower legs. My first symptom was um, tingling and numbness around half of my abdomen. Um, though I did get Lyme and actually on two occasions. And the one time I took antibiotics that resulted in a Herxheimer reaction, which was like um, an MS relapse. So I got extremely tingling, a lot of tingling and numbness all the way down hips to toes. And that lasted for about a month. So um, yeah, just kind of traveling along this story, taking you along on this journey with me, which I use sometimes share because it's very similar to the investigation and the process that I, that I try to encourage others to do, to really look at, at their history, what could be contributing factors to their current state. So I've shared my history. Now I'm going to jump in with my mom's history because she was really the, um, the inspiration for the, the foundation of root causology and the functional medicine training that I ended up doing back in 2000. So my background, I'm an occupational therapist. After I got MS, I, I started taking yoga. I dabbled in it a little bit before, but I started taking it more consistently just to kind of manage my anxiety and panic with this new diagnosis and eventually decided to go get trained as a yoga teacher. So I was doing occupational therapy and yoga for, you know, many years. And at the same time, um, soon after, actually just before my MS diagnosis, my mom was diagnosed with dementia, probably not Alzheimer's. Um, if you're not familiar with the difference, dementia is really like an umbrella that includes many different um, dementias, Lewy body dementia, frontotemporal dementia, um, Alzheimer's being the main one. So she had had chronic fatigue syndrome for many years and the root causes of that were not addressed. So now knowing what I know, looking back at her history, there were probably a lot of things that we could have done to address her her symptomology and, and the root cause of her chronic fatigue syndrome. But after having chronic fatigue syndrome, sometimes also referred to as ME, um, she had that for 20 plus years, and then she started with the cognitive changes. So she also went to the same nutritionist that I went to and went off of gluten and dairy, and it was extremely beneficial for her as well. Um, note, neither of us went off sugar. <laughs> so that happened years later. 
um, for me and uh, unfortunately not at all for my mom. Um, but in any case, she went off of gluten, dairy, gluten and dairy, and said that her symptoms of chronic fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome sort of disappeared. So she used to have to go back to bed after breakfast. She'd be so tired. She'd have to go back and take a nap. Um, she most days didn't get dressed. She stayed in her pajamas, her house coat. She didn't really have the energy to leave the house. Um, she started walking with my dad with this new diet and this new energy. Um, they would take walks around the neighborhood most, most days. Um, she still didn't, I wouldn't say she was highly energetic because at that point, you know, she was, um, she was several years into her dementia and she'd spent decades not exercising and not doing much physical activity anyway. So she was very deconditioned, but she got to a point where she was taking longer and longer walks. So we saw this as, um, you know, a huge success. So as she continued to decline with her dementia, we tried to maintain, um, the gluten-free and dairy-free diet, which seemed to help. But I noticed her obsession with sugar got more and more, especially after a couple of urinary tract infections and antibiotic use and a couple rounds of C. diff. If you don't know what that is, that's terrible. <laughs> it is infectious diarrhea, um, which is a result of antibiotics um, killing the good bacteria and the bad kind of just C. difficile is the bacterial strain and it overgrows and it's, it's not much fun at all. But um, I have a, a visual of her. It was Christmas. And at that point she was using a rollator and, but she was getting weaker and weaker. We didn't know she had C. diff yet. So she was sitting on the rollator and we were trying to push her out of the party. And she just like reached almost falling off of the seat for like a brownie. Like she was obsessed. So, um, <clears throat> how's, how are you doing <laughs> Are you following along this long, long convoluted story? Um, so I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to a point, um, and it's coming now. So basically my, my personal history with my own MS and my mom's dementia and my professional history as an occupational therapist first working with people, I worked in Scotland for the National Health Service. And there I worked with um, first in a geriatric setting and second in an adult setting. Um, they split them up by age there. And um, it was mental health. But in that adult setting, it was my first taste of working with people with dementia. And it was often problem solving, like a new delirium. Like, why is this person having... Um, confusion and hallucinations and delusions all of a sudden. Um, so it was very, very rewarding time working for the NHS. That's a, another story for another day. But um, my professional journey kind of intersected with my personal journey of my own MS, my mom's dementia, my work as an occupational therapist and yoga teacher. Um, in, in the U.S., most of my occupational therapy work was in assisted living, where there was also a dementia unit or um, a memory care unit. I also worked um, in skilled nursing, so in a rehab setting where people were there for just a short time. And there were sometimes people there with dementia as well. So um, I started to hear more and more because I would kind of dabble in the the functional medicine world to try to keep abreast of, um, you know, new science, new, new insights for my own health. And I started hearing things, um, along the line that dementia might be preventable. Like there was things we could do. And I looked into, um, how to get training in that. And it was expensive and I decided I couldn't afford it. So I did a health coach training instead, which was much more reasonable. Um, and I did that, added that kind of that to my repertoire of tools um, for about a year. And 
what I learned mostly from my healthcare or my, sorry, my health coach training was MI or motivational interviewing. And if you're not familiar with that, um, it's, if you get a health coach or even a therapist, I would recommend that they have some understanding and background in motivational interviewing because it's what I learned. And this is so true. And I, I see it with my kids is that when somebody is ambivalent about making a change, so whether they're ambivalent about eating healthy or exercising or quitting smoking or quitting drinking, whatever the, the situation may be, if there is ambivalence and you tell them what to do, they're actually less likely to make the change. <laughs> if you have adolescent children, just, just pay attention. Um, and you will see. So motivational interviewing, when you are in a situation where the person in front of you is ambivalent about making a change, instead of telling them what to do, there's um, tools and tricks and strategies to help them eventually get to a point where they're maybe ready to make the change on their own. So um, yeah. So keeping the along that timeline, um, after the, the health coach training, it became evident that without the, the information that I could get from a functional medicine training, I was not going to make the, the, the progress with clients, um, that I really wanted to. And so my, my dad um, who's always been my rock and biggest supporter, said he would fund my functional medicine training. And so we started that the end of 2019. And, um, you know, what happens next is, is a little thing called COVID that um, actually it was kind of uh, serendipitous maybe that the training taught us how to run an online practice. And so when the whole world went online, um, I then had the tools to help people from a functional medicine or root cause perspective from a virtual setup, right? And um, so I've been doing that for the last few years. And just in um, this year, in 2023, I was very fortunate to get a $20,000 grant, $20, grant from BG&E. And hello, Alice. If you are an entrepreneur and don't know about Hello, Alice, go look them up. Um, there are grants for for businesses, for sole proprietorships, for small businesses. So go look up Hello, Alice. So anyway, I got a $20,000 grant and um, connected with the Center for Healing Arts in my hometown, which allowed me to rent space and start seeing people in person. And that grant allowed me to bring in modalities that I wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. So now I'm using the Live O2, and which is Adapt Contrast um, Oxygen. So um, there will be multiple guests probably describing that. So you can tune in on podcasts uh, as we talk about Live O2 going forward. And uh, V Light, which is photobiomodulation. It's a little helmet with near infrared light. Um, and also I hope to have a podcast guest to talk more about that. So still with me on this long journey, it's going to hopefully give you a clearer picture of why I'm doing what I'm doing and, um, and hopefully give you some insights um, on ways to help your own brain health, because that's what this is kind of about, right? The get to the root of it um, looks at root causes, but with an, an underlying focus on brain health. Um, as someone with multiple diagnosed multiple sclerosis, I need to focus on brain health. As someone who has a family history of dementia, I have to focus on brain health. I do have an APOE4 gene. If you're not familiar with that, that um, can increase your risk. But I also have an APOE2, which is rare and protective. So I'm counting on that to balance things out. But mostly I'm counting on 
all the things that I am doing to try to optimize my brain health. And I want to share things that you can do to optimize your brain health as well. If you're not familiar with Apollo Health, I highly recommend you check it out. So after I did my regular um, functional medicine training that I mentioned, that was through the functional medicine fast track, which is an outreach for, for therapists, um, physical therapists and occupational therapists, but there were MDs and DOs and um, nurse practitioners in my cohort as well. But following that, once I decided I really wanted my focus to be on brain health, I went and did a training with Apollo Health. So they have, um, sorry, I'm distracted. My dog's trying to come in. You might see him in the background if you're watching the video. So, so Apollo Health um, was started by Dr. Dale Bredesen. And also, if you don't know that name and you're interested on in learning more about root cause, um, root causes way to optimize brain health, you definitely want to look up Dr. Dale Bredesen. Uh, but come here to Apollo Health to do a little dig, do a deep dive. So there is a, a free test that you can take to assess your cognition. Um, there are some fun facts that are not so fun that Alzheimer's can start in your 20s. So most recently, a diagnosis was um, publicized on the news of someone who was 19 with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. So in his case, Alzheimer's probably started when he was a young child, but we do know that brain changes happen decades before symptoms appear. So that is a key fact to remember. Brain changes happen decades before symptoms appear. So right now, the average age of someone living with dementia is 49 years old, not 79 years old. 49 years old. And that is concerning. I am 49 years old at the moment, soon to be 50, about to celebrate, celebrate the big 5-0. So let's continue to look at some of these other numbers. Also concerning, there's been an increase in dementia among people aged 30 to 44 years old. How much of an increase? a 373% increase concerning. And Alzheimer's is the seventh leading cause of death worldwide. I just saw a new statistic that came out of the UK that said it's the number one cause of death there. I'll have to search and find the, the resource where I saw that, but, um, Regardless, super concerning. So what can we do? Scroll down a little further on this recode, um, the first page on Apollo Health. I say recode because um, I'm a recode certified health coach. It stands for reversal of cognitive decline. Um, I did the health coach training and the practitioner training. So that's kind of stuck in my head. Recode is the prevention of cognitive decline. So we're just going to share real quick here for the first time in history, Alzheimer's is a choice, just a headline on this part of the website. So they did a um, clinical trial. So I, I have to say for the naysayers out there that yes, it's still early days. Yes, we haven't studied hundreds of thousands of people with, um, with these interventions which is an individualized, personalized intervention. So it's very hard to do that. Much easier to do with um, a pill. But what we have learned over decades of trying, that a single pill is totally ineffective. Um, we've spent billions of dollars and no pill has cured or reversed Alzheimer's or any dementia. And the best it can do is sort of slow down the progress a little bit. But what we know from a personalized, complex intervention that 84% um, of the people in this trial improved. 84% improved their cognition. Only 4% had no change. 
12% continued to decline. So what we're what we're looking at now is, well, what about those 12%? Is there anything we can do for those people? But let's focus for a minute and celebrate on the 84% of people who improved. Okay. So this is by using a precision medicine approach, root cause medicine, personalized medicine, looking at exactly what this person in front of you um, is dealing with. So if we take myself or my mom as an example, number one, we had um, very unregulated blood sugar. We were not diabetic, but we would be hangry and almost pass out, be totally fine one minute and then be all freaking out. Oh my gosh, I need food. I'm going to pass out. I'm so hungry. That happened all the time. I don't, we were never officially diagnosed with hypoglycemia, but basically we were getting major blood sugar drops because we didn't know how to eat. It wasn't until there was intervention with new, new, this nutritionist who, um, we did not take away sugar. Again, I, I didn't do that till my functional medicine training many years later and did an elimination diet and realized every time I let sugar creep back into my diet, I would have problems, um, usually pain, um, pain in my hip, pain in my neck. Um, so I eventually, um, unwillingly at first, <laughs> have mostly removed sugar from my diet. It creeps back in, but, um, you know, we're all human. So as I was saying, uh, my mom and I used to have um, regular moments of imbalanced blood sugar, but we didn't know that that was uh, a problem. There were some adjustments that we made to the way we ate based on the recommendation from the nutritionist. And that was basically to have fat and protein every time we ate. So again, at that time, I did not give up sugar, but I had better um, blood sugar, fewer spikes, fewer spikes and valleys, because I was now focused on having protein and fat every time I ate. And I would not eat fruit on an empty stomach or, you know, cookies on an empty stomach. I learned that that was part of the problem as well. And if you have noticed on the news that some people are using type three diabetes as a way to describe dementia, or, um, but I will put out there that that is one influencer, one of many. And I would like to touch on some other things that can influence your brain health in addition to the the highs and lows of sugar. So if we are trying to optimize brain health, um, one of the things we can do is to teach our body to be metabolically flexible. So what that means is it can use glucose for fuel and ketones or our fat for fuel. So if we are constantly feeding ourselves or we're constantly eating carbs, our body is gonna break down the carbs and use the glucose and it's not gonna use fat. So when we teach our body to, when we minimize the carbs that we're putting in and we increase the fat, healthy fat, don't do dirty keto where you're having lots of meat and dairy, not recommended. Um, but if you do the, the healthy fats, the olive oil, the avocados, the nuts and seeds, then you're going to teach your body to then burn the fats, not just, just the fats that we're putting in our mouths, but the fat in our body. So I don't get hangry anymore. I don't think, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall over if I don't get food right now because my body has learned. I've had to train it, but it learned that now if I don't have food in my stomach, if I haven't eaten for 12 or 15 hours, or I, if I have, um, right now, I'm on a prolon diet, which is a five-day fasting mimicking diet. So I'm, I'm in ketosis now as well. So I'm not highly focused on the fat and protein, but I'm getting many fewer calories and I feel okay because my body is already knows how to burn 
fat for fuel. So that's one area. So if you're trying to optimize brain health, teach your body to be metabolically flexible. Teach it how to burn ketones for fuel. So I had to take that pause and I went back to see if the screen came through and it didn't look like it did before. So I'm, I'm looking at the screen. I don't know if you're looking at the screen. I'm going to read it to you so that um, even if you're listening to a podcast and don't have the screen in front of you anyway, we can all be on the same page. So I'm on the Apollo Health website, Apollo Health, A-P-O-L-L-O-H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O, C-O, ApolloHealthCo.com. Okay. There's uh, multiple tabs across the top. I'm going to go under the education tab and down to the Bredesen 7. Okay. Bredesen 7. So it looks at multiple ways that you can influence your brain health. So seven things um, on the base of mindfulness. So when we start thinking about dramatic changes in our lifestyle, or we start thinking about, oh my gosh, am I going to get dementia or Alzheimer's? We can get, it can be stressful. So if we're taking a breath and sitting on the base of mindfulness, this is where we start. So mindfulness keeps us in the present moment. Of course, as humans, we have to plan for future and we often will bounce back and, and fret or rehash the past. But if we can continue to bring ourselves into the present moment as a practice, then optimal health is much easier. Okay. So I'm going to list the Bredesen 7, starting with nutrition at the top. So the reason we have nutrition at the top is for one of the things that I just mentioned, um, getting into ketosis is, is critical to make sure the brain is getting um, the, the fuel that it needs. Because as we decline, as we age, the brain doesn't is not as good at using glucose. So we need to teach our body to use ketones. That's part of nutrition. The other big part of nutrition kind of ties into what I shared earlier about my being not a well-educated vegetarian and how I really didn't optimize my, my nutrients in my diet because I didn't know better. Um, so when we're looking at a personalized approach, to, to brain health, nutrition has to be very personalized because we have to um, think about preferences. And some people can, can be highly successful um, with a brain health diet with meat, and some people can be highly successful without meat. So it just takes, um, takes a little bit of, of thought and planning to optimize nutrition for, again, the person in front of you. So that's number one of the Bredesen 7 nutrition. So the nutrition focus is called a KetoFlex 12-3. And so that's keto, which we kind of touched on what that means. The flex stands for either vegetarian or not vegetarian, right? Could be both. And the 12-3 is 12, meaning getting at least 12 hours of a fast. So let's say that's 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. If you have an APOE4 gene, which I mentioned earlier, um, you want to try to extend that fast for to 15 hours. Sometimes at first, that's really hard for people, but as the body becomes more adaptable and more metabolically flexible, it's easier to slowly extend that fast. So that's the 12. The three is the three hours before bed. So not eating three hours before bed. So I mentioned um, that I was doing Prolon. I'm doing Prolon right now. For me, it was a, it's a reset because I got sugar back in my diet. <laughs> and I also started eating late and um, I wasn't good. So I, I wear an aura ring, which um, 
I've been doing for several years now and tracking my sleep and so excited. So after the second day of Prolon, which is a, um, again, a fasting mimicking diet, it makes your body think that you're fully fasting like a water fast. It doesn't trigger the nutrient sensing pathways. And, um, I, but you get food, right? So that's the good part, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot of food. <laughs> it, it's, it's some, like a small bar that is kind of nuts and it's really good. I actually like the bar. I will order those bars when I'm done the Prolon. Um, this is my second time doing Prolon and I, I liked them first round and I like them again, second round. You get olives, you get some soups. Uh, so not a lot. So some of the days it's only about 800 calories, but I say all that to say, I also didn't eat late because when I got ready to just go to bed, I just went to bed, you know, done eating at six, um, asleep by nine or 10. And I got one of my best sleep scores in a long time. So my, um, we can go into that on another, on another session, but my heart rate was my resting heart rate was lower and um, my heart rate variability was higher and my sleep score was um, 90, which I usually don't get in the 90s. So I'm excited that uh, already my, my prolon has been helpful for my brain health and it forced me or it helped me to get back into the keto flex 12-3 and I did not eat three hours before bed. So talked a lot on the nutrition piece of the Bredesen 7 because it, it a lot is involved in the nutrition piece. The next piece is exercise. Um, with my background in occupational therapy and yoga, and I didn't mention that I was also a group fitness instructor for a long time. That was part of my burning my candle on both ends, whereas teaching a whole bunch of fitness classes and running around like a maniac. Um, uh, yeah. So I like to help people now learn just right exercise and shout out to Sally Schultz, who was my uh, professor in graduate school and came up with that name as an occupational therapist. We are supposed to help people find the just right environment where they're challenged just the right amount where it's not too hard and not too easy. And I use that a lot when I'm helping people find the just right exercise. So um, for my mom, the just right ex exercise was walking around the block for her. That was much more than she had previous, previously been doing. But, um, you know, my, my athletes, that's not going to be adequate. They need to get a HIT program or a high intensity interval training program. Then they also need the yoga for the calming down. So anyway exercise number two on the Bredesen seven. For most people, we try to find a hit program that works for them um, because that has been demonstrated scientifically as, as our most bang for the buck, right? The next thing on the Bredesen seven is sleep. So that's why I'm so excited that I got a better sleep score since I've been on Prolon. So <clears throat> Sleep is critical because our mind, our brain um, is kind of resetting while we sleep. We need adequate REM sleep to help us process our memories and we need adequate deep sleep to give our brain time to clean up. So if we're um, having impacts on either of those, the REM or the deep, um, for a variety of reasons, if we ate late or if we have sleep apnea or if we have a cold and our nose is blocked or we have our dog in our bed with us. I love my puppy, but he definitely interrupts my sleep. Um, you know, all these things can be impactful and impact our sleep. And so that's number three on the Bredesen 7. We want to optimize our sleep. We want to optimize our nutrition, our exercise, our sleep. And the next one, number four, is stress. <sighs> long, slow exhale. I have to remind myself to do it on a regular basis. I talk about decreasing stress and that long, slow exhale to my yoga students all the time. Um, stress is part of life. 
but figuring out how to manage stress and consciously um, addressing our parasympathetic nervous system, which help, which is the the system that helps us get into the rest, digest, and heal mode, is is important. It it's critical. Like I like all of these seven are critical. I don't know if one is more important than the other, um, but yeah. So number four is stress and stress management. Number five is brain stimulation. So again, we have to find what's just right. It's different for each person. It has to be something that's not too hard and not too easy. So, um, you know, tic-tac-toe is probably too easy <laughs> for, for most of us. But um, for someone who is already declined, so I might be working with someone who is um, advanced in dementia and tic-tac-toe might be the right stimulation for them. Because remember, this is a recode, reversal of cognitive decline, and pre-code, prevention of cognitive decline. So brain stimulation, number five on the Bredesen 7 to help optimize brain health. Number six is detox. And I didn't actually highlight that on my uh, timeline, but definitely um, I think um, toxins may still be playing a role in my life and I haven't completely figured it out yet. So grew up in an old house, definitely with lead paint. And I think it probably played a role in my mom's decline and in my decline. Um, I have also lived in a home for nine years with toxic mold and didn't know it until year eight. And then it took my you know, it took me a whole year to wrap my head around the, the fact that I needed to change something. So um, I was renting the home actually with the hope of buying it. It was a beautiful home, um, but I think I'm better off not being there. Uh, and, and I've had multiple guests. So go back and listen to the podcast with Carrie Bacchier and the podcast with Jessica Pierce, because they have both shared personal stories about brain improvements when mycotoxins or this mold toxicity was addressed. So for Carrie, it's a personal story. And for Jessica, it was her mom who was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment and now has a perfect score on her cognitive tests. So um, I, I keep hearing more and more the, the impact of mycotoxins or mold. And a lot of people really, I, I can totally relate because I was definitely there. They want to close their eyes and close their ears and say, la, 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 la. It's not a problem, but unfortunately it is for so many. So we have to um, detox from the heavy metals, lead being included in that category, from mycotoxins, um, and sometimes, even if we're just out of the moldy situation, we can still have the mold um, that's colonized in our body. So it has to still be addressed. I mentioned Lyme, had Lyme twice uh, recently, just a couple months ago. I'm still dealing with detoxing from the Lyme and the co-infections. So can be a big category for people. Sometimes it's not, but... Um, for most people I've worked with, it's been at least, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going to say at least a small role. For almost everybody I've worked with, it's played a significant role. So toxins, we got to address that. And last, number seven, number seven on the Bredesen 7 is supplements. So supplements should be supplemental and personalized. But um, as I mentioned in my own story, if I had been supplementing with vitamin D, maybe I wouldn't have gotten my MS. I don't know. If I had been supplementing with B12, which I was not and it is required on a vegetarian diet, maybe I wouldn't have gotten MS. I don't know. Um, it's a question mark. But for most people, we I'm going to say for everybody no matter 
how, uh, no matter what kind of an amazing diet you have, there's something that we probably need to supplement because the diet um, that we can access does not have all that we need. Uh, the world has changed. The soil has degraded. And from a genetic standpoint, we all have different requirements. So how are you doing? I went through my story. Then I went through the Bredesen 7. That's a lot all in one podcast. <laughs> um, but quick review, the Bredesen 7, nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, stimulation, detox, supplements, all of those things to address neuroplasticity, which is in the center of this circle. Um, remember, you can find it if you're not looking at it now on the Apollo Health website under education, the Bredesen 7. And there's tons more information on this website for you to take a quick look or a deep dive. And if you want help, if you want some handholding, if you want a teammate in addressing um, all of the, the lifestyle changes that are most likely going to be um, next steps, if you're trying to optimize brain health, then check me out and I'd love to hold your hand. So you can find me at rootcausology.com, www.rootcausology.com and set up a free consultation. And in that free consultation, we just talk through like, where are you now? Where do you want to be? And um, would we work well together? So again, my background is, is connected to Apollo Health and they're an amazing resource. And you might be able to get what you need just from looking on the website. And I highly recommend that people check it out. But if you need someone to hold your hand, call me up, schedule an appointment. I'm Laurel Brennan at Root Causology. And you can find me on Instagram at Root Causology and Facebook at Root Causology and uh, TikTok at Root Causology. So thanks for spending time with me today. I kind of feel like I'm not talking to myself anymore. There's maybe somebody out there, hopefully, that can benefit from my, my blah, blah, blah in the microphone today. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you for, for spending your time. This is Get to the Root of It. I am Laurel Brennan, and I hope you have an amazing day. <laughs>